Today from the Global Lane, some of our best segments of the year. Free speech silenced. Dennis Prager explains why. My Pillow Guy, from crack addict to CEO and the White House. Mike Lindell's success story. Is public office in his future? Hurricane Dorian devastates the Bahamas. Was climate change to blame? And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Popular opinion reflects a growing threat to free speech in America. A new poll shows a majority of Americans believe the First Amendment should be rewritten to, quote, reflect the cultural norms of today. The poll by the Campaign for Free Speech reveals that nearly 60% of millennials, those 21 to 38 years old, believe the Constitution goes too far in allowing hate speech in America. 48% of Generation X and 47% of baby boomers agreed. A majority of millennials also said hate speech should be a crime, with more than half of those saying it should carry jail time. Well, Dennis Prager knows the free speech issue well. His Prager U had over 1 billion views last year, and I guess about 200 videos were censored from or restricted from YouTube. Uh, it's, an it's an amazing thing. We put out a video each week, five-minute video, and so there are 400-some-odd videos on there. And you have to understand, they're given by former prime ministers, Pulitzer Prize winners, professors from Stanford, Harvard, MIT. This is a, this is a pretty classy group of people. Uh, we have liberals giving it, uh, people of every background. Uh, and yet, uh, well, look, Alan Dershowitz's video, this is a, a liberal Democrat professor at Harvard, his video on five minutes on Israel's legal founding, which you would think would put people to sleep just on its title alone, and, and that's put on the pornography and violence list by YouTube, which is owned by Google. How did that happen? Why well, is I don't know. Yeah. I can only say that if it defends Israel, they hate it. If it defends America, they hate it. If it defends God, they hate it. I, I don't give all the videos. 90% are given by different people. But I do give the videos on the Ten Commandments, and, and tens of millions, thank God, have watched them. Five of the videos are on the restricted list. The first one was do not murder. So I was at the U.S. Senate testifying on this. Senator Ted Cruz looks at me, no, no excuse me, looks at the Google representative, said, sir, why did you put Mr. Prager's video on the Ten Commandments on the restricted list? People could actually watch this dialogue on YouTube, ironically. And the guy's answer was, because it mentions murder. I'm, I'm quiet so that it sinks into your viewers' minds. That's pretty good thing to mention you shouldn't you murder. You shouldn't murder. Yes, not, it, not don't do you murder. want kids yeah. to hear that? <laughs> so so uh, uh, it, it was a surreal moment. When it was my turn to speak, and you could see this as well, to in the Senate chamber, and uh, or the Senate conference room, and uh, I, I said, you know what? Having heard that, we're going to issue a Google-friendly Ten Commandments, the Nine Commandments. Wow. So you heard the statistics on this new poll. What this do you poll, make of this? This, uh, this poll makes perfect sense. The left, not liberals. I always draw a distinction. I wish liberals drew a distinction. But the left has never been for freedom. Never, never, never. Since the French Revolution to Lenin, 
to, to the, the present Democratic Party. They do not support the idea of free speech because they will always lose when ideas can be debated. 50 years of indoctrination, it's had an effect. Higher education now means, tragically, higher indoctrination. What is free speech about? Free speech is only about speech I do like. Then there's no such thing as free speech. Evergreen State College from 2017. Tell yeah. us what happened there and why we should be concerned about that. A, a very liberal professor, Brett Weinstein, professor of biology, lifelong Democrat, liberal uh, activist, in fact, uh, did something courageous. He acted like a liberal, not like a leftist. The campus announced one day all whites should leave the campus for a day. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. that that's absurd. That's racist. And I'm not leaving the campus. People will see, because that's the longest single story in the film, and it, it is it's riveting. It is just riveting what this man went through at this college to the point where he's told by the police, don't come to the college. We cannot protect you. That you will see students screaming curses at him. Not, and, and it says, will you allow me to speak? And they're saying, no. He leaves. He's no longer yes. at, 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 at Evergreen State. That's but the correct. good news is he won a lawsuit. And the, the other good news is no, yeah. very few students are applying to Evergreen State. Liberal thought. It's being shattered by the left. Join us in fighting that. But this film is a wake-up call. You can't leave the theater and think things are okay. And I enjoyed seeing you direct the symphony there in L.A. Oh, thank you. That's yes. my avocation, yes. conducting orchestras. It's that and religion keep me sane. Dennis Prager, Prager U, and also the film. Uh, you won't want to miss it. The no film coming up, nosafespaces.com. Check it out. Dennis Prager, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. He says he's a walking miracle. You know him as the My Pillow Guy. Mike Lindell is a former drug addict who escaped addiction and death to become the founder and CEO of a multi-million dollar business. Now he's taking some of his My Pillow Company profits along with proceeds from the sale of his new book to help people overcome their addictions and live a better life. I interviewed him recently about his past, the present, and his new book. Instead of talking to him through my medicine cabinet, we did it right here at CBN. Mike, your book is What Are the Odds from Crack Addict to CEO? And I imagine it wasn't easy uh, writing that and revealing some information about yourself uh, that, that you're putting out there in public. What was the hardest thing to write about? The, the time, the time factor. You know, for my life, it's been like living inside of a movie. and. I, I wanted to get it right to how I felt at different times, different things that happened, whether it was a gun to my head or, or um, whatever, whatever it was, to get, the, to get it right. I wanted it to be exactly like it was. I wanted you to read this book and you go, wow, this is the best fiction novel ever. And you go, what, this is real? You know, and to, because the message getting across. I've been writing it for years and years and years. In your head or? Uh, no, on paper. paper. I mean, I've kept memoirs. I kept memoirs all the way back till I was a teenager knowing someday I would have a book. It was really kind of strange. I would keep proof like the, uh, <clears throat> I was like, here's an example. I was 20 years old and the mafia was coming to kill me because I owed them for football bets. They're coming to collect and, and they wrote on a, a grocery bag and said, uh, pay by tonight or th things are gonna get very physical, the book. Well, I kept that 
knowing that someday, every time something would happen, I go, wow, this is going to be cool someday in the book, you know. I've had 14 near-death experiences, so uh, from a parachute not opening, uh, partially opening, to crashing a motorcycle, to being burned, electrocuted, all these different things. But if you, if you see the proof of all these things that happen, by the time you read the book, if you don't believe in God, you didn't read the book. I mean, in our own lives, if you, you, I, looked at, I look at God as mathematics, going one in a million, one in a billion. What are the odds of this happening? Gee, that never happens to anyone. In your own life, if you add them together, when do you consider it a miracle? You know, that's what I, I will look at something and go, that can only be God, you know, the, the divine appointment. Uh, for example, when I was on uh, TV, I was with the. I was invited to the White House for my pillow as a manufacturing summit. Now I get in there and I go, "Who's sitting here?" And they go, "The president is. He wanted to sit by you." Now on national TV, there's a picture of me and him, and all my friends are going, "Jesus is real. There is no way this crack addict from Minnesota is sitting in the White House." <laughs> and they've all quit. You know, all my friends have quit um, over the years. Now they've seen hope, and I think my book's gonna. It's. Well, I know it's gonna give people hope, and. Um, and that, in, and I'm taking proceeds, but I'm pre-selling it early so that I can launch my Lindell Recovery Network. That's the big thing. My, my pillow has only been a platform for God. That's all it's ever been. I was always an entrepreneur, but God gave me the dream for this pillow. And I think, like I say, I think it was, you know, it was a divine appointment. That, you know, I got the dream of it, from the my pillow name first before mys were common. I know you have this foundation. What do you want to say to someone who may be watching uh, this interview right now who has an addiction, those that you're trying to help. Right, and it's called the Linda Recovery Network. And what I, what I wanna say is right now, if you're out there, until I get this launched, you need to get yourself in a, a faith-based treatment center. Not, the sec not a sector, one, ones that work, your Teen Challenge, Union Gospel, Salvation Armies. These wounds that you have, to get them addressed and replaced with Jesus. I mean, it, it works. I mean, anyone, if, if you look at the, uh, and, and also right now, everybody knows someone that's been, a, that's addicted. Addiction affects everybody. And if you know someone, if you have an addict and you know someone that's made it through, go show your addict that person that's made it through. And, and he, so he has common hope. That's a big thing to have common hope. I give, my story gives people hope, but maybe not a 22 year old opiate addict, but I might give a lot of 58 year old crack addicts hope. Up next, more with Mike Lindell. We talk Trump and politics. Will the My Pillow guy run for public office? No, you have a governor of Minnesota, former governor, Jesse Ventura, mm -hmm. was a pro wrestler, ends right. up governor. Right. Uh, you end up with um, uh, another senator who was a comedian who ended up uh, yeah. in the U.S. Senate. We're a mess in Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> How about My Pillow guy? Um, well, everybody's asked me that, and, um, um, and I, I gave him the same answer. If God had me run for something, I would do it in a heartbeat. But right now, I want to keep backing the greatest president we've ever had in history. I met him before he was president on a divine appointment, and it was just him and I. And by the way, they said, whatever you do, don't tell him you were a crack addict. And I walked in there for the first day. I was When I walked into his office on August 15, 2016, I go, I'm wearing my cross. He says, Mike, you always wear your cross. He said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, yes, Mr. Trump, and this is a divine appointment. And, and we talked about the inner cities and addiction. I said, yeah, I used to be a crack cocaine addict. And he just loved the realness. But I, I went all in there. I figured God had me but you know, back him. I would talk to his employees. It was like talking to mine. So for me, I'm getting my platform to get behind what I figure, you know, they, um, here's an example. Someone said to me in the last election, Mike, this was a Republican. They want me to draw people to their, you know, for their donor events or whatever. And I said, 
I can't back you. I said, you're pro-choice. I said, I said, I can see the headlines now. Mike Lindell goes against his Christian values to back a Republican. No, I'm backing a president that's the most pragmatic, common sense president in history. And I'm, I can't help all my Christian values go fall right here in this conservatism. I know. think at CPAC, you yeah. said he was the best American president in, in history. history. No, he's the best president in history. Now, now yeah. I, I've got to tell <laughs> And I talked about Jesus and Bill Maher badmouthed me for five minutes on TV about it. Well, we're not going to badmouth you. <laughs> but uh, some Americans would say you're still smoking crack. The right. best <laughs> president in the history of America. History. Do you know, and you know what? I can say that because I'll tell you what. When I came out of crack addiction and came out of addiction, I had never voted. I didn't know a liberal from a conservative. I had a clean slate. It's like a child growing into something going, where are all our values and stuff? You know, what's going on? When I came out of addiction, I seen our country, um, a, a president giving away money to evil empires. I heard of a thing called ISIS. All my friends were unemployed. I was, uh, it, was, it was like I'm going, what happened here? And, uh, and, then, I met, and then I meet Mr. Trump. And I go, and I have been, I have been in places where, in the worst places in the country, and I've been, and all the way up to eating with five forks with people, and they're all, everyone's got problems. Well, when I met the, when met our president before he was president, I, I'm reading him, and I'm going, wow, this guy has absolutely no agenda other than to help our country, and he genuinely cares about individuals. When I talked to his employees before I went all in, every one of them was like talking to one of my employees. They all had something very good to say about him, that he's the, an amazing guy, amazing boss, and he's so smart. Well, you know what? Not one, not one person came forward during that election to, to say something bad about it. And they were all offered money. And they, and they just they couldn't do it because they, he's, he has such a great, genuine heart to help. And, and, and to, you know, that's, for me, to risk everything and go all in, I didn't even have, you know, people say to me all the time, Mike, what's your best day ever in my pillow? The day we're sitting it. God has prayed me for, I've listened to God what I'm supposed to do. And, and we just keep getting rewarded and rewarded. You're going to help Trump win Minnesota? Absolutely. We're going to win Minnesota. That's exactly what I'm going to do. And, that, and we're, Minnesota, I'm going, I'm going to every, every city I can myself and doing speaking out with the people. I want to talk to people over here. I've always said everybody loves our president. Some just don't know it yet. I want the ones over here. When I, when I'm in, I can be anywhere in the country. I can be in California. I was there for my movie Unplanned. You know, it was very controversial. And I'm there, and these people come up to me that are on the far left, and they go, Mike, I love what you're doing, but what's wrong with your brain, you know, that I'm backing this president? So I'll sit there and talk to them, and I'll go, you know, I've met him, and I tell him the things that's going on. I said, if you shut off the news, I tell him, look around you, are you better off than you were? And they all say yes. And I can pull them in. I just want to, I want to say the good things. I want to do, bring to Minnesota and the country all the good things that are going on. We're living in the best times. If you just shut off the news, the consumer confidence is at an all-time high. I'm so proud right now. My, like I see people all around me, employees stuff, that are taking chances on entrepreneurs, taking chances on service business and products because now they have a safety net. They can always go back to a great paying job. Would it be a bit of a, a tough sell uh, in the area where you're from, which is farm country, is it not? Right. Uh, with some of the farmers who've been hurt by China's reciprocal punishment uh, tariffs on our products. Right. Uh, well, you know what? I, they, um, I've, I've actually talked to um, a lot of the farmers and stuff, and believe it or not, most of them, almost all of them, are behind what's going on because they're going to be rewarded in the long run. And the president's done everything he can right now to help them. And that, when you talk about that, 
This is the one thing where both sides know we have to do this with China. We don't have a choice. There was, if this wouldn't have been done, both, this is a bipartisan. Both sides agree we have to stand our ground because in the long run, we get the deal done with Mexico and Canada. We could, you know, the farms are going to be, they're going to be, I think they're going to come out of this and they're going to be the best ones. You just got to get through and come out the other side. And believe me, they're going to be well taken care of. Our president has promised them that. Well, Mike Lindell, my pillow guy, you are an inspiration. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, and God bless you for taking the time. Thanks for having me on. God bless you. It'll be a long, long road back for the Bahamas after Hurricane Dorian devastated many of the country's islands. Before the Category 5 hurricane hit the Bahamas and skirted the U.S. coast, environmental extremists were sounding the alarm about global warming. Warning about Dorian... Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, quote, this is what climate change looks like. And not to be outdone, Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders said Dorian had, quote, everything to do with climate change. Well, what they and other climate change alarmists won't tell you is that four of the five deadliest hurricanes to strike the United States actually occurred during the first half of the last century, between 1900 and 1957. It seems hurricanes were much worse 60 to 120 years ago. Well, joining us with more insights is geologist, author Gregory Wrightstone. Mr. Wrightstone is author of the book, Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Mr. Wrightstone, it's good to have you here with us again. So here we go again. Another major hurricane, not for the United States, but the Bahamas. Now the alarmists are coming out of the woodwork again. What do you think of that and what Bernie Sanders and AOC are saying? Yeah, well, it's all very predictable. They use any tragedy uh, that's weather or climate related to link it to man-made uh, catastrophic warning, warming. But the science, the facts, and the data actually tell us something completely different. Uh, the latest thing and with this hurricane, uh, there were three things that were being told by people like Al Gore and AOC. Uh, related to hurricanes, that they're increasing in number, they're increasing in intensity or wind speed. And the latest thing with Dorian now is that climate change, man-made climate change, has caused hurricanes to slow down. So they're more devastating when they do hit. Uh, all of those things are are completely, can be completely dispelled with, with the actual science on it. Even the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has stated there's no causal link between rising sea surface temperatures and the number of hurricanes. They allege that the intensity may increase. Uh, and there is some data that might support that. We probably as much that go against it. But even the NOAA's uh, top climate scientist, his name is Christopher Lansey, uh, he predicts that warming will cause a 1% to 2% increase in hurricane wind speed. I'm not sure I agree with that, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say that's the correct thing. I don't think anybody that was living on the Grand Bahamas last week uh, and, and when the hurricane struck could tell the difference between 142 and 144 miles per hour. Uh, and also, when it comes to whether the hurricanes are slowing, granted, Dorian, according to the records that I was able to look at, actually, I, I checked back on it this morning, uh, showed that Hurricane Dorian was one of the slowest-moving hurricanes that NOAA cataloged, but the bulk of these slow-moving hurricanes occurred early in the 20th century. It's not been these recent ones. Uh, so we just look 
I like to use science, facts, and data. What the alarmists do is use uh, predictions, speculation about what might happen 30, 50, or 80 years in the future based on failed climate models. I live in the real world, and I look at what's actually happening. And if these things are going to happen, we should see some evidence of that today, and we just don't. Greg, I know years ago it was global cooling, and then the environmentalists got into this global warming kick. Now it may be back to cooling, so they just say climate change. So what are the facts? Is Earth getting warmer or cooler? Well, we've been in a we've been in a 300 plus year warming trend. It's been warming in fits and starts. We go through you reference the the cooling period that started in the early 40s and ended in the late 70s. When I was in college, my professors, we were all t discussing the possibility of going into the next ice age, which we will at some point. Um, but so we're, we're in this warming period. I think for your viewers, the thing that's really important that's rarely talked about is we're being told, uh, again, by Al Gore and his like, that we need to be aware of the of increased temperatures. My God, oh my God, oh my God, it can't get higher than another degree and a half centigrade or we're all going to die and it's going to be famine. Historically, what we've seen is just the opposite. Historically, these warming periods that we saw before during the medieval times, during the time of Christ, the Roman warm period, was a town of time of bountiful harvest. Uh, we see there's a strong correlation between the rise and fall of temperatures and the rise and fall of civilizations. Uh, we see that great civilizations rose up during times of warming that were a lot warmer than we are today. It's the cold periods, uh, Gary, that your, your viewers are probably unaware. These are the horrific times that led to crop failures, famine, pestilence, and mass depopulation consistently. And it's just opposite of what we're being told. We're being told we it's going to get warmer and we're all going to die. And that's just historically has not been the case at all. Okay, I guess we'll have to leave it there. Greg Wrightstone, uh, geologist and author, we thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Gary. Well, that's it from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Twitter. And until next time, be blessed.